0: For a difficult journey, minimal benefits, bitter cold, long months of darkness, constant fatigue and hardship, most will quit, honor and recognition in case of success. These are the words that advertise the University of Washington's men's rowing crew. Now, if you know anything about U of W's men's rowing uh, group, you know that it is legendary. So this would be nothing shocking to you. But in his book, and I highly recommend this book, it's a fun read, uh, The Boys in the Boat, the author, Daniel James Brown, tells the riveting story about how this 8 or men's crew went for gold in the 1936 Berlin Olympic Games. But they shocked the world, even though people didn't expect them to even compete with their East Coast rivals, they shocked the world by showing astonishing strength and ability to persevere. And they won the gold. Think again about that full-page advertisement for the men's crew. Would you want to respond to this, I wonder? for a difficult journey, minimal benefits, bitter cold, long months of darkness, constant fatigue and hardship. Most will quit (laughs) honor and recognition in case of success. Wow, in all the ways that the rowing department could advertise and try to appeal to first year students, this is what they choose. They choose to not to entice them with reward, but with the cost involved. Yeah, there there might be glory, they hinted, but that wasn't the compelling point. What they did guarantee and did what they, indeed, what they did promise was pain and sacrifice. That was their appeal. As I read that for the first time in the book, The Boys in the Boat, I thought, you know, Wow. There's certain aspects of the Christian life that are not mentioned very often or even downplayed, and yet they're very real. There are seasons of struggle that we go through, what we might call dark nights of the soul. There are times of fatigue and frustration. There are times where we wonder if God is really listening. And there's this ever-present temptation to give up, throw up our hands, and just quit. But you know, one of the many things I love about Jesus is he didn't sugarcoat the message, did he? He said to his closest friends, in this world, you're going to have trouble. Now, come on. That's not a very cheery message. That's not the message you want to hear from the leader of your movement. I mean, come on. Wouldn't it have been better for Jesus to say, oh, guys, listen up. Sorry. Sorry. Um, I misspoke a bit there when I said that. Hey, the deal is, in this world you will have trouble, but once you come to me, it'll all be okay, and there'll be no more struggle whatsoever. But he didn't say that. He kept it real. He told the truth. And he did go on to say, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Make no mistake, even when things look the bleakest, just remember that I have conquered this too. And for those who persevere, for those who are faithful, for those who remain, yes, there will be glory. And individually, we will hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Now, you all may be saying, Pastor Rex, what in the world Does this have to do with Easter weekend and the resurrection of Jesus? Well, here's the deal. 2,000 years ago, a group of his closest followers were going through a perfect storm. The master, the one they had believed in, had been brutally beaten and killed on a cross, he'd been buried. It had been three days now that he'd been in that grave. And all their hopes were dashed. They hid out of fear behind locked doors. They feared the future and what it might hold for them. <laughs> but the resurrection changed all that. They went from fear to faith, They went from horror to hope. They went from dejection to delight. And I believe that the resurrection of Jesus that we celebrate today is just as relevant today for us as it was for them then. But make no mistake, it's not a life free of storms and suffering. Terry and Sherry Dunlap certainly know something about storms. Last May, their lives were turned upside down when their 15-year-old daughter, Madison, was struck by a car while walking the family dog. You talk about a storm. Wow. And that began for the whole Dunlap family, a saga that could have destroyed them. I sat down recently with Terry and Sherry and just... Listen to them tell a bit of their story. And I invite you now, let's listen to a bit of their story together as they share. Terry and Sherry, thank you for spending some time with me today and and talking about what God is doing in your lives through very difficult season. You know, one thing I've learned about the Christian life is that you're going to hit storms sooner or later. It's gonna happen. And last May, you guys hit a storm of unbelievable intensity. Your amazing daughter Madison was in a horrible accident and almost lost her life. The day I received that phone
1: call from that woman, I get a call on my personal phone, says a little girl and a dog's just been hit. So my brain's starting to think. And I'm thinking, Who's walking my dog? Because Madison really never walked a the dog. Mm-hmm. Then I said, excuse me? She says, yes, a little girl and a dog's just been hit by a car, and it's very, very bad. I said, how'd you get my phone number? From the dog caller. I remember using my work phone to call my wife, and I said to Sherry, Where are you? Where are you? Where's Madison? Walking the dog. I couldn't say another word after that. Because at the exact same time, I heard Colony at the door, and I remember her screaming, because I heard we're trying to resuscitate her now. I heard her scream, and the phone went dead. I didn't know where I was, and for the first time, I had no control. That I felt that I completely had no control over anything. I didn't know where to go, didn't know what to do, and I was helpless
2: and I asked you to pray for the person that hit her. And I also said, you know, God, your will be done. And I knew that that meant that she may not live, but I felt complete peace with it. I knew I was saying to the Lord, if your will is she doesn't live, that's your will. And I can't imagine that I would ever feel that way or ever be able to say that way because, of course, I don't want that to be what happens, and I didn't want that to be the outcome. But for some reason, I just was able, standing next to you with all those people around us, I remember saying, your will, Lord, your will, Lord. I would read every single post that somebody would say, you know, on Facebook or scripture, every encouraging word. And that's, you know, I would crawl in a fetal position and I would beg for mercy. (laughs) And I would beg for grace. And it was just, that's all I'd say. It's mercy. Please be merciful. Give us mercy. God, please have mercy over and over. And then I would calm down. And then I would read scripture that people had sent us.
0: What role did Christian friends play through all of this as you're, as you're going through this crazy storm and the intensity is just every day?
1: One of my uh, clo- close friends is Kenny Valentine, um, accountability partner, and we talk all the time. He would constantly call me and just pray with me over the phone. Every day. Every wow. single day. Wow. He oh. was a rock for me.
2: You know, someone from church, you know, it could be Kathleen Garvey. It could be my cousin Eileen. And it seems like your Christian friends are the ones that know exactly what to say to you. And they might not be referencing any scripture, but because their belief is so strong, you're like, okay, yeah, it's going to be okay. God's got this. It's going to be okay.
0: What would you guys say to people out there who are in a storm right now? They're in a storm right now, and man, it's pounding on them. And they're feeling hopeless. They're feeling like, are we going to ever get through this? They're wondering what the answers are. They don't know exactly what to do next. Wow, you you guys have not only been through it, you're, you're not really out of the storm yet. You're still feeling the impact of that storm. What would you say to people who are in a storm right now? To believers and or non believers,
1: if they don't have faith, because there's no way, in my opinion, we would ever made it through this without our faith. And it really tested us. Like I knew we had a strong faith before, but this just cemented our faith. There's no doubt in my mind. There is no doubt in my mind that I would be able to wake up. And I have a type A personality, but I there's if you don't have faith, if you don't believe in God, I don't know how you'll get through it.
2: By no means are we perfect in our faith, perfect in our walk, perfect as Christians. You know, some of my closest friends would probably look at us and be like, you know. Be nice. <laughs> I'm just saying you don't need to be perfect. You know what I mean? Like, that, on perfect. that, you know, your will be done.
0: It's the ultimate it, it just.
2: It happened naturally. It was a gift from God that He gave me to be able to speak those words because I couldn't have done it any other way unless it was a gift from Him in the Spirit to have the the courage and the strength to feel that, know it, believe it, and say it.
0: And the only way we can pray, Thy will be done when we're in the midst of the storm is because we've got a resurrection hope and we know what Easter's all about. And we know that for real Christians, the worst things are never the last things. They're never the last things. We know how this story ends. And we know that while sorrow may endure for a season, we know that there's going to be joy at the end of this. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. And that's not pie in the sky by and by, that's reality because we know what happened at Easter when Jesus was raised again, and that changes everything. Amen. What a powerful story, huh? Yeah. It's an incredible story. The Grace Fellowship, we are so privileged and delighted today. We have Terry and Sherry and also Evan and Madison in the house. If I could just ask them to stand, if you would. We just want to honor you today. We just want to honor you and thank you for your faithfulness to God. Each one of you, thank you for your faithfulness to God in going through this. Woo! Yeah. Praise be to God. He's been so faithful. Thank you for walking this walk. And no, it's not an easy one. Thank you for holding on to him. Amen. Thank you so much. Wow. Well, we come today to a section in Luke's Gospel, chapter eight, verse 22 and following, where we read about a storm. And you know what I believe? I believe today's gonna be tremendously encouraging to many of you who are right now going through some really hard things. So I want you to listen carefully as the Holy Spirit takes God's word and speaks to your heart. Let's look at what the scripture says. One day, Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped, and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided, and all was calm. Where is your faith? He asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they ask one another, who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Now friend, I'll bet that you're either coming out of a storm, about to go into a storm, or you're right in the middle of one right now. And storms, whatever their intensity or nature, tend to frighten us. They make us afraid. But how we respond to that says a whole lot about our faith, a whole lot about who we are. Sometime back, Ralph Reed, a 34-year-old welder, was working near the top of a newly constructed water tower. It's about 11 stories high in the city of Chicago, and he fell, he slipped and fell 110 feet, barely missing some rocks and debris. Reed landed in a six-foot pile of soft sand, and amazingly, the only injury after falling that far was just a bruised lung. Co-workers immediately called 911. Within minutes, the rescue crew was on the scene, and he had virtually no injuries. But as they were carrying him to the ambulance on a stretcher, he looked up in the faces of the the crew there, of the paramedics, and he said, please don't drop me. (laughs) Now, Now, think about this for a minute. A guy just falls from 11 stories up, lives to tell about it, only to be concerned about a stretcher ride a couple of feet above the pavement. Fear is constant. Whether you're 110 feet up or two feet up, fear is there. And here's my question for you. Do you find yourself questioning God's ability to carry you? It's a common question when you've been through storms before, and we're going to see today that Jesus is a caring friend to those who are frightened. So first, I I want us to see the reality of storms, and then we're just very briefly going to look at our response to them. And again, I'm convinced that you're going to walk away today, not just with a lot to think about and kind of chew on, but you're going to walk away today knowing that God is has a plan for you and he's with you in whatever you're going through. So the reality of storms. First, I want you to see that storms often come very suddenly. We read there in verse 23, as they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake. I always like to compare these stories in the different gospels. And Matthew has this story and Mark has it. And Mark adds an interesting word. He says that the storm was furious in its intensity. Matthew says in Matthew 8:24 that it came without warning and the waves swept over the boat. It was furious and came without warning. How can that happen? We see the sea of Galilee that they were on is like in a basin, it's surrounded by mountains. And cool air from the Mediterranean is funneled through those narrow mountain passes. It clashes with the warm, humid air just over the lake, and it can create some intense lightning and wind storms in a matter of moments. What a picture of life that is, huh? Life can be just like that. You just heard it in the testimony. It happens suddenly. It happens without warning. Have you ever had just kind of one of those days where things were going well and suddenly it just went bad. Hopefully we can chuckle occasionally at those. Somebody said, you know you're having a bad day when you call your answering service and they tell you it's none of your business. That's a... Or when you put your pants on backwards and they actually fit better, that's... (laughs) Bad day. Or... You're going down the highway and your horn accidentally goes off and remains stuck as you follow a group of hell's angels down the freeway. That's, And of course, there's all those Murphy's laws, right? That you know you're going to have a bad day. You know Murphy, he was an optimist. He said that if anything can go wrong, it will go wrong and at the worst possible time. So Murphy reminds us All about bad days. He said, that light you think you see at the end of the tunnel, remember, it's just the headlight of an oncoming train. Isn't that encouraging? Murphy says, you're feeling good, don't worry, it'll change, okay? He says that any appliance that's torn up will work perfectly when the repairman arrives. All of these Murphy's Laws. And he says, a bird in the hand is safer than one overhead. But one of my favorites from Murphy is, he reminds us, never play leapfrog with a unicorn, okay? Got to think about that one a little bit. Some of you are way too serious on me right now. But notice, not only do storms come suddenly, but they can be very, very severe. Verse 23 again, a squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped, And they were in great danger. Now, even though Sea of Galilee is relatively small, waves can crest there over 20 feet. And maybe you're in a storm right now that's put you in danger. Someone you really trusted stabbed you in the back. It was uncalled for. It was unnecessary, frankly. It was just evil. And you've tried to work on forgiveness, but that's been hard. And reestablishing trust is even more difficult. And so today, you find yourself with kind of a hole in your boat, so to speak. And the murky waters of bitterness are filling that hole. What are you going to do? Or maybe it happened for you when your health broke. And today, the truth is, the storm you're in is that you're kind of mourning what you used to have And the truth is more than once you've shaken your fist in God's face and said how dare you let this happen. When did it happen for you? Was it when your finances kind of went bad? Was it when that marriage failed? Was it when your company downsized and you got cut out of the the team? Storms happen to everyone and they can be incredibly severe. But let me tell you the most important thing that I've learned and observed through the years about storms. You need to understand this. You can't always control what happens to you, but you sure can control how you respond. That is so important. You can't control what happens, but you can control your perspective on it, your attitude, and how you're going to respond to that. It's kind of the last of the human freedoms. And so my question this resurrection weekend is, are you going to respond with fear or with faith? The same suffering that makes one person bitter honestly makes another person really better deeper, more loving, more like Jesus, it kind of hinges a lot of times on how we respond. The Oxford scholar C.S. Lewis put it like this, God whispers to us in our well-being, he shouts to us in our suffering. They're sudden, they're severe, but third, storms can be significant. Here's what I mean by significant. There's a God-designed Behind them. Meaning, God is working. Jesus said, My Father's always working. And so God is working in the storm for our good and His glory. In verse 24, the disciples went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. Where is your faith? He asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they ask one another, who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Now, I bet most of us in here love the honesty of kids. Recently, I heard a list of some things some kids wrote when asked to write a prayer to God. One kid wrote, dear God, if you had let Cain and Abel have their own room, Cain probably would not have killed Abel. I, I know because it kept me from killing my brother. Love, Joey. <laughs> A little girl uh, asked, dear God, did you make the giraffe that way or was it an accident? That was Susie. And one little boy was just flat out honest when he informed God, God, you don't have to worry about me. I always look both ways. Your pal, Christopher, but but one of my favorites is the little girl who wrote, Dear God, I never liked seeing purple and orange together until I saw the sunset yesterday. Now I do, because you do some amazing things with colour. We like these prayers because they're honest and simple. And that's the way the disciples were in the boat. Master, master, we're going to drown. Help. I like that. I wish our prayers were more raw and and honest. And one of the great purposes that suffering serves is it, it turns our attention toward God. Like the little girl who said in her letter to God, You do some amazing things. And people all across this room today could say yes to that. Because in your darkest hour, you look to God and He's done some amazing things. Sometimes He comes to still the waters around us, sometimes. But more often, He comes to still the storm. Within us. But are you listening to me today, dear friends of Grace Fellowship? What he never, ever, ever does is promise that there will be no more storms. Because it's in the midst of the storm that we learn more of who he is. And it's after the storm that we can proclaim better who he is, because he's always working for our good and his glory, the reality of storms. Boy, they are real. But now I want us very briefly just to think about our response to storms, because some of you are sitting here today going, well, pastor, this is really cool and everything, and uh, there's a lot there, but I want to tell you, I want to know what I should do. You see, you, you have no idea how hard life is for me right now. And you're right. I, I, I really don't. How should I respond? Well, I want to tell you the absolute worst thing you can do when you're in the midst of a storm, some crucible of suffering, is to begin, listen now, to mope around, become really passive, do nothing, except just focus on your problem. That, that's the worst thing. And yet, as, astoundingly, that's what most people tend to do. Peter was writing to a group of Christ followers almost 2,000 years ago who were going through some stuff that would stagger our imagination. Their homes were being taken away. Many of them were being thrown in prison because of their faith. They were being ridiculed and marginalized in their society because of following Jesus. And here's what he said to them in 1 Peter chapter 1. Therefore, gird your minds for action. Get ready for action. Don't get passive, get active. You going through a storm, ask God to help you keep on moving. Keep putting one foot in front of another. Keep on growing. Keep on learning anything that he might want you to learn through this. Again, Lewis's words are so classic. God whispers to us in our well-being, he shouts to us in our suffering. And the greater our suffering, the greater our chance to glorify God through it. I believe the Dunlap family's doing that. And I believe we can too, by God's grace. Last Valentine's Day, our nation was left reeling when the school shooting happened at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida. Of the 17 students killed that day, several of them were 14-year-old freshmen, just kind of learning what it means to be in high school. A few of them were seniors ready to go on to the next chapter of their lives, and three of them were adults, who tried valiantly to usher students to safety. And we, as a nation, saw unbridled evil that day. We saw the worst in human nature. But you know what? We we also saw that day the best in human nature. Students reported that Aaron Feiss, an assistant football coach, Aaron Feist, when he heard the gunshots, didn't run away. He actually ran toward the gunshots. Now, what what would possess someone to do that in a moment of terror, to express such self-sacrifice? Well, you don't have to dig too far to find out what motivated Aaron Feist. One student reflecting on the beloved coach said, when I was sick with leukemia, he sent me prayers and Bible verses. Well, that's no surprise because if you scan his personal Facebook page, you'll see evidence of a Christian worldview. One student summarized his life this way. He said he died the same way he lived. He put himself second. On the day we call Good Friday, that's exactly what our Lord Jesus Christ did, he put himself second. You see, we're all sinners with these deceitful hearts, and you and I are capable of horrendous evil, but Jesus loves us so much that while we were still sinners, on the cross, he shielded With his body, he shielded us from the sting of death. And when we trust by faith in what he did for us at the cross, he forgives all of our sins. He adopts us as his kids into his family. And he comes in and begins to change us from the inside out. And so the resurrection that we celebrate today means that there's meaning. Listen, there's meaning in the madness. Because Jesus died for our sins and rose again from the dead, he's proven that he's king of kings and lord of lords. And I just don't want anybody leaving here today without really getting that. He's lord over loneliness. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He's lord over arrogance. He opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. He's lord over... Depression. He will help sustain you through your roughest times. He's Lord and king over cancer. He will redeem even your sickness in his kingdom for good. He's Lord over injustice. He hears the cries of the oppressed, and one day he will bring justice swiftly to every situation. He's king over the barren womb. He sees every tear that falls, and he's king over the lost. He anxiously wants you to come to him by faith. And I urge you and I challenge you and I implore you to do that today, no matter what you're going through. Could we pray together? Father, thank you that you are Lord of Lords, King of Kings, and thank you, thank you, that at the cross you shielded us from the sting of death and you rose again conquering death, hell, and the grave. For anyone right now who's never yielded and said yes to you and your offer of salvation, may this be the very moment, right now, they would open their life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.